All right, welcome to the show, Gearheads. We just got to take in a fantastic weekend at Interlagos. A great sprint race yesterday and a fantastic race today. What a race. This is John Massengale sitting in the studio with Jonathan Green, Les Kaiser. Hey, don't run out of superlatives. You've got another hour yet. <laughs> don't worry. That's my specialty. <laughs> and we got Bob Varsha over Zoom and uh, former Haas F1 team manager Dave O'Neill. <clears throat> what do you think, boys? Bob, let's start with you. Well, I thought it was a terrific race, um, in part because it was so unusual getting George up front uh, uh, pulled for the Haas team. I was so disappointed to see Kevin Magnuson knocked out on that first lap. His second time to fall out of a race in Brazil, both times because he was run into by Daniel Ricardo. Oh. Figure that one out. Huh. But uh, it got a little quiet there in the middle uh, as teams worked on their strategies. But then toward the end, um, the inter-team battles were interesting the two mercedes up front was russell going to get caught by lewis hamilton the uh, the red bull teammates was verstappen gonna pass <laughs> perez uh and, and and why if he <laughs> did i'm still not quite sure i understand that great drive for alonzo um yeah really uh an interesting race we knew this was a good track for passing and we certainly saw plenty of that a lot of it DRS related, sure, but there were also some non-DRS passes in some very tight corners. Most of them, nearly all of them worked. The critical one that did not was down there in turn two where Max Verstappen drove it down the inside of Lewis Hamilton, who didn't quite give him a car width, but <laughs> one way or another. What was your take on that? Who, whose fault? I, I don't think it was any, but well, it was both guys' fault, which is different than saying it was nobody's fault. Um, you know, Lewis came across, Max was clearly alongside, but you know, Max didn't have to drive the point home and jeopardize his race as well as uh, Hamilton. So I'd call it a racing incident. Yeah, I did too. Jonathan, your take. I know you were excited about George Russell winning this race. I mean, well, amazing. His first win, first Grand Prix win ever. Yeah, 82 Grand Prix entered, two times runner up. Um, and the boy from Kings Lynn does good. I mean, that is a really good, you know, uh, you know, boy, boy done well. I really am pleased for him. He deserves it. I think the team were right to give him the, the order of, you know, you're unfettered. You can race the seven time world champion. Um, and he was there. He got within 1.2. But when he did, he put a special sector in, um, you know, out of nowhere and kept the gap to over a second. So don't think for one minute that Hamilton didn't want to take that win. Ah, uh, yeah. Hamilton did, Hamilton had a nice streak he wanted to keep going. Well, yeah. I knew we were sure. in for it. In lap 55, when the team tells him we're in it to race respectfully, yeah. you know, yeah. to be no, respectful good. and race, go with it. And I, I was mean, like, he all righty, here we go. He is the future of that team. And I really do think that this yeah. will open the floodgates this weekend to what, what, what is already a very, very confident young man. And, I mean, you know, let's look at the Botas-Hamilton era versus this era. You don't look at Russell that way. You yeah. don't look at him as yeah. a secondary guy. Yeah. No. We all – I think – And I thought the way Russell handled those restarts, yeah. I thought showed an awful lot of, of uh, personality, of uh, experience, of confidence, and great timing. I mean, he, he, he nailed them both. And don't you guys feel like that? I, I felt like with Russell, it really wasn't like, oh, he got it. He, he got a win. This is so great. It was more like he's going to get his wins. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen. Even against mm -hmm. 
Hamilton, I felt like yeah. he was going to get his wins. So I think it was just we've all seen well, how good he is. So. Lee Massa said it yesterday. Yeah. Many more to come. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Dave O'Neill, what do you think of this race? It was uh, sad to see your former teammates at Haas uh, taken out so early. But uh, but other than that, what do you think? I enjoyed it. Um, like Bob says, there was a bit of a lull in the, in the middle of it. But the strategies played out. Um, everyone had a had a good go there. Um, it was pretty impressive how Ham- Hamilton um, kept those tyres going for that amount of time. Um, but yeah, all, all in all, um, I think George definitely deserved the result. Um, he was in charge all the way through. Um, and um, yeah, good good result for the Mercedes team finally finally get on the top step. Um, you can see uh, Red Bull struggled a little bit, seemed to probably eat the tyres up a little bit that car this, this weekend. Um, Ferrari again, you know, coming back at the end, um, but but you know, too too late really. They needed to to get it sorted in the early part of the race. But um, yeah, not bad. Uh, clear Ricardo mistake for taking Magnussen out. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's much to talk about there. Yeah, he's too hot into it. Took onto the apex. Gators pushed him out, losing. What, what about Norris? Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't know what happened to the car there at the end, do we? I mean, we look. No, sorry. No, what about no? What about Norris and Leclerc early on? Oh yeah, yeah. What do you think, Bob? Um. Well, I thought it it was a very similar situation. A lot yeah. of aggression that wound up, you know, causing problems. Notice it was uh, just about at the same part of the track. Uh, mm. I think it was just the following car being caught out by the way the car ahead used the brakes. And um, yeah, there was uh, that one was unfortunate. I'm amazed Leclerc got back in the action. Do, uh, I'd be surprised if that collision wasn't the the genesis of Norris's problem. They called it electrics, because that could be just about anything. Um, so very very tough day for McLaren on all counts. So and, you know, you know, if I had to choose between those two incidents, I I lean toward Verstappen being blamed for his with Hamilton and the other one to me was just a racing incident with, with Lando. I I just, I felt that one wasn't quite as egregious and I I lean a little stronger than you guys. I I thought that was Verstappen's fault, but. Well, he was off the track. Um, We all know that corner. Um, Hamilton, Hamilton turned in where you should turn in at that corner. And at that point, um, Verstappen was on the green. He was on the he was on the rumble strip. Yeah, and knowing he can't stop. If you're on the Correct. rumble strips, you're not gonna and, you know. and it's a well known place to, to to make an overtake because you can go straight through there. Uh, and as long as the other guy backs off, you're in. Yeah, and if you're going oh. too fast and you can't stop and you uh and you oversteer, I mean you understeer, right? It's the same difference if you're on the rumble strips, it's, you know you're not gonna be able to stop at speed on the rumble strips. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I think it was it was shades of the of the bad old Max, if you know what I mean. Yep. You know, it was it was always thought Max is never going to back out, and you have to count on that. And then we had all the fuss at Silverstone last uh, last year. Um, this year, I think Max seemed to be much more calm and uh, much more mature in the way he set up passes. 
this one, I think, was shades of the old Mad Max getting down in there and, you know, it, and not initiating contact, but certainly not doing everything he could have to avoid it. Okay, so what about uh, Red Bull Radio, Verstappen, you know, radio saying about Perez? What, what do you think about that situation, Greeny? As in, you mean uh, asking Perez to yeah. pull over? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you mean Verstappen? Verstappen, Verstappen saying. Um, I mean, this, there was two teams involved in that. Obviously, uh, you've got Ferrari. You've got Leclerc begging, um, you know, but begging his team to let him through, uh, and you've got Verstappen being told to let uh, Perez go through. Neither happened, um, but I'm not that surprised. And it's not really. I mean, you know, over second place, third place. I know it's important to the drivers, but it's not a world championship. So does it matter? Um, I don't think so. That's Checo. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. but Checo wasn't saying anything. It was Leclerc begging the team. Yeah. And the, the, the inter-rivalry or the inter-sort of uh, dialogue between Ferrari continues to downfund me. Downfound me, that one too. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in the team. Um, but uh, no, they, they don't communicate well at all. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded like like um, Verstappen and his side of the garage were trying to convince everybody he could do Perez good in the championship by going past Perez and picking off Alonso, Alonso. and uh, Leclerc. Yeah, but I don't think that was ever on. I don't think Verstappen ever had that kind of speed over what he had five laps to try to do it. I'm not buying it. I think uh, I think they just kind of just kind of punted uh, Checo to the curb again. Mm. Yeah, I do too. Uh, you know the the pace that Max was making, passing those that are you know back of the grid folks, might have given him the false sense of security that he could continue this but we all know you do that early when you're somebody like max or anybody else from the front of the grid passing those that are way way in the back you're going to click them off like you know tic tacs and then you'll get all the way to the front so that's you know i i'm not going to say he could do any better than he really did even if perez gave him that one spot the one thing that makes that's it just where he is. Yeah, what makes it really interesting, and you can understand why Leclerc was desperate, is it now there's one point between him and Perez going into the final race. Oh wow, yeah, nice. and that yeah, that let's... changes it because then it it does become a game of can we can we get our guy to stay in second? Yeah, because well, a, a Red Bull one two, which would be the other alternative, um, would would really give them domination of the whole season. Yep. Uh, in the words of uh, Bruce Jenkins from Facebook, what a race. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, big points for Alpine. So 10 yep. points for Alonzo, four points for Ocon. They were, so that's 14 ahead of, of uh, McLaren, plus the five. So they're 19 points. I, I, can, I don't think McLaren can catch them. I don't think I don't, so I either. mean, that would have to be that's an impossible weekend next weekend for McLaren. So that that's a huge weekend for Alpine. And and we heard Admire at the beginning and the pre-race show, he he sounded as confident as ever. His car's starting what, 16 and 17 or 15 and 16? And Chris asked him, where are you going to be? And he's immediately said, in the points. And man, those cars looked fast today, didn't they? Yep. Absolutely. Hey, and the other story, obviously looking to Abu Dhabi, um, one point between Haas and AlphaTauri. And that's, oh. and that's going to be hard for Haas to hold them, hold them back. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I the point that Schumacher gets to keep his drive. Well, that's the other question. Well, okay, let's ask the team manager. I'll put you. I'll put your old shirt back on. Um, Gunter's on the line. Um, should we keep him or go with Hulkenberg? <laughs> well, I, I think he's probably made his decision by that point. But it, it would definitely, um, you know, it's definitely an influence, isn't it? Getting that point, you know, it's huge money in the championship. Um, sure. And uh, for sure, worth having. But I mean, I would have yeah, fucked uh, the whole paddock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Gunter. See? <laughs> so, Dave, really, in, in your opinion, who would you take? What, you mean next? Yeah, Would you keep Schumacher or go Hulkenberg? Schumacher or Hulkenberg? I, I, I think, you know, you know current, current experience, racecraft, um, Knowledge, I'd, I'd probably end up choosing Schumacher if he could just eliminate those few small mistakes he makes now and again. Um, it's hard to come back, you know, a couple of years out of a car. Um, it, I think it's hard to come back, but I'm not making that decision. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I think mean... I agree with you. I think he's holding his own against a very resurgent McMagnuson um, who's on his game. Um, he is young. He's only two years into the game. Uh, Hulkenberg is good, but 35, uh, you know, what's the investment? I'm surprised they haven't tested Hulkenberg, to my knowledge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they put him in the car. Has he shown is the speed? Is he still the same old Hulk? I don't know. <laughs> the man who's never won anything except Le Mans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a couple of comments. These are coming off YouTube. Um, Kevin Kelly says he, has, uh, he should have let Perez through, talking about Verstappen. And TW says Ricardo's fault for sure. Uh, bad teamwork. Dixon says, Dixon Smith says, really bad teamwork from Verstappen. Andy P, uh, that Red Bull racing second seat is the total double-edged sword. You get a car capable of winning a GP, you have to deal with a completely unyielding teammate. Yep. Yeah, true. Uh, oh, and Evan Rudolph says a nice comment. Says this broadcast is much better and less uh, biased than Sky Sports. Well, thank you, sir. We appreciate that. Yeah, we like Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Oh, do we have a new sponsor? Is that what you're saying? Uh, hold on. Yeah, we're not accepting trade this time. We do not need seven cases of Red Bull in this studio. Uh, well, let me just run down where we ended up today. So, uh, I mean, look, let's not let's pause here. A one-two for Mercedes. We've been saying, I've yeah. been saying since about week four, okay, Mercedes is coming. Mm. And finally, we get a one-two of Mercedes. Well, uh, uh, Russell said yesterday that the last sprint race he can remember, Imola, uh, they were eighth and tenth. And he said that, you know, it was on the checkered flag show. It was, it, you know, he said it shows what it's what the team has done in that time between Imola and now, that they are now a front-running team legitimately. So Mercedes, Mercedes, and then Ferrari, Ferrari, signs in Leclerc, then Alonso, Verstappen, Perez, Ocon, Botas. Lance Stroll ended up in 10th. Uh, we were about to put him on the grill and fry him in the pre-show. I was about, I was about to say, he didn't hit anybody. That's a plus. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't run anybody off the track and hit anybody. Uh, Vettel, unfortunately, out of the points in 11th. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu, 12th. Mick Schumacher kind of hung around that, that uh, 13th spot all day. Gasly, Albon, Latifi. Sonoda, and then, of course, New, uh, Norris, Magnuson, Ricardo out. Yeah, I, just on the Schumacher thing, you know, we just discussed whether we'd keep him or not. Um, I think on today's result alone, this weekend, he's driven a blinder. 
Starting at the back yesterday to Moved 12 eight positions. positions. Eight yeah. positions, 12 positions. At one point, he was running seventh, I think. And, you know, I mean, he's done a fairly handy job today. I, you know, you can't knock the guy. He's, he's fast um, in a car that isn't that competitive. He's about three corners away from it being a clear keep him. In other words, the three crashes that he had. Yeah, yeah. Had he not had those three crashes and, and cost Mr. Haas many millions of dollars, that would have been, I think that would have been an easy decision if he had had not had those crashes. Yeah, and I really do think we've got away from judging him by the name. Um, You know, he's a bona fide Formula One driver. No, is he his dad? No. Um, But has he got potential that he's shown in the lower rankings? Absolutely. And if if I remember Mick's career, and he hasn't come the sort of standard way through, he went off to Asia at one point, but it's always been one year learn, one year good, one year learn, one year good. And I know he's been in Formula One two years, but I don't even count the first year he was in Formula One because they had a dud. They didn't have a car that was capable of anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Would you say all of that for Lance Stroll? <laughs> As in, am I comparing Lance Stroll to Schumacher? Sure. All the favors that he's had offered because of who he is. Uh, Stroll's a different. No, I think Stroll. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving. I Stroll, like that he's stuttering. Well, hang on. I know I'm giving Stroll a hard time now because he is a bona fide Grand Prix driver of many years, and he's making absolute schoolboy errors as he did at Austin with Alonso, and as he did with Vettel in the sprint race. That's what's my beef with, with Stroll is that he's making mistakes that he shouldn't be making. I mean, go back to Japan and look at that start he made. I mean, you know, you'd think he was Senna. Yeah. Um, but 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 then he does that uh, at Austin, and and I'm I kind of lost a little bit of respect for him. And I think both uh, I think both Alonso and uh, Vettel aren't, aren't particular big big, hit, big yeah. fans of his. All right, I put you on the spot, but I agree with your sentiments there. I think uh, you know he bought his way in. Daddy bought his way in. He got in there. He ought to be better than he is, and he's pulling out you know green rookie mistakes. I, I, I really do think Aston Martin, I'm I'm going to make myself the head of Aston Martin watch next year because I think that's just going to be in and out of the garage, on and off the track, going to be fascinating. How Alonso either gels that team into a winning team or it becomes fisticuffs and Dad and Lance and Lawrence and Fernando are going to have a, a trifecta that's never going to work. Mm. I'm anxious for uh, this year's Drive to Survive. Yeah, <laughs> I have not asked Bob Varsha what he thinks about the Schumacher Hulkenberg situation. What do you think, Bob? Well, um, I'm I'm starting to lead toward Mick. I think uh, maybe he needs another year or two uh, to see what he can do. I would love to see what Hulkenberg can do in the car because, as I said before, I'm not aware that he's tested. Uh, I'm sure he's, you know, kept fit and that sort of thing in case anybody needs him. Uh, before Nick DeVries took his job as the super sub. Yeah. But um, right now, I, I think Mick has, has begun to show that he is uh, he's getting more out of his talent. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, everybody has a different level of talent. Uh, Formula One is as tough as it gets. And some guys just aren't up to it, which is no discredit to them. I mean, they can race in lots of other series and have hellacious careers but um you know it's this is supposed to be the best of the best and 
It's not a finishing school. Uh, you know, you've got to arrive fully formed. Having said that, um, it is so different from anything else any of the guys have done. Even if they come up through the, the junior formula, these cars are more than twice as powerful as the F2 cars. Uh, they're much heavier. They, they go, they turn, they stop uh, better than anything any of these guys have ever driven. So given the lack of testing that the teams get by rule, um, I think it's unfair not to give the young guys more time to show what they can do in the cars. Simulators will do a lot, but they won't do it all. You know, you've got to get in the car and wake up with a sore neck the next day after some testing. You know, and until we have that, uh, we risk uh, cutting off some guys uh, before they reach full flower, as it were. Yeah, um, and, and let's not forget and I that. I think Schumacher may be one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, and let's not forget, Hulkenberg's 35, you know, he's... I, yeah. I, I mean, I still don't know why Pietro Fittipaldi is not part of this conversation. I, thank I mean, you. Yeah. I, I said that on the Wednesday yeah, I show. I was like... Well, I, I want him to be a part of this. Yeah, and I do too. And I think he deserves to. When he st- stepped into the car as he did, he he, he held his own. We're going to see him in Abu Dhabi. Uh, he's had some Friday drives. He's there in the pits all the time. Um, you know, he's part of the culture there. Uh, again, I'd like to bring Dave O'Neill and see his thoughts on having a guy that, that knows your systems, knows how everything works, and you're not going to give him a run? Yeah, Pietro. What do you think, Dave? Well, I think there, there must be a little, a little bit more to it. Um, maybe he just, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's a couple of tenths off, um, and he's, you know, he's a safe pair of hands just to, just to get in and and you know cover off if you like. Um, I think you know the the important bit for for next year is having someone who can match the points um, as Kevin started off the season with, um, and then you wouldn't be having this fight at the end of the year for the last race for a championship position, which is really important. You know, that's what builds the builds a brand, builds a team. So you're looking for two equals who can get on. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I honestly don't know how Kevin and um, Hulkenberg will, will get on. You know, they've not, they've not been great in the past. Um, and someone like, you know, Mick is, can learn off Kevin. He's respectful. Um, and maybe he can just puzzle himself into being the point scorer with Kevin um, is what you're after, really. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know why Fittipaldi hasn't been there. He's um, He just hasn't maybe quite got it, you know, a tenth or two off, and that's as simple as that. Hmm. All right, well, let's get a break in. We've got some really good comments coming on social media that I want to get to those after the break. And we'll also have Chris Medlin going to be bringing us some live updates from Sao Paulo after this. You listen to Speed City back after these messages. I think we're live on YouTube. The interesting one would be what if Carlos Sainz didn't have to do that extra stop with the um, ripoff visor in his brake ducts. Yeah, I was just oh. looking at that. You know, I, I honestly think he would have split the Mercedes. Um, do you have a guy with rubber hands that does that job? I mean, <laughs> right. how the hell do you put your hand in a brake duct? Well, he was very quick, wasn't he? I mean, he, if they got that wrong, his hand would have been part of the uh, part yeah. of the wheel of brake duct. Then you so do need the Hulk. Super quick. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Dave, Getting I want to ask you the about the fire. I think it was – who was it early on in the uh, brake caught fire? Was it Signs, I think? And, and he immediately oh, – Signs yeah. had heavy smoke. 
Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you. It was very heavy. Is it the is it the brake material, like the, the pads material, or is it the carbon disc? What's 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 on fire? What goes on the fire? Carbon. The carbon's overheating, so that it's you know it's it's okay. a solid piece of carbon, really. Yeah. So happens it's overheating and the and the worrying part there is the um degradation of the carbon disc if it gets that hot it kind of yeah. goes soft and glaze, yeah. um and then you get exponential wear in the in the disc so that was the bit i was worried about for science but mm. they managed you know it must have been pretty quick and they reacted again you know hats off to ferrari they act, reacted pretty quick got him in and changed the the strategy before they had a, a brake disc explode mm. By the way, the Hulkenberg, the Hulkenberg uh, Schumacher thing is also has a German factor to it in that both those two names have been mentioned as potential reserve drivers for Mercedes. Um, and I can totally see Schumacher getting an opportunity to be reserve driver at the top team in the world, if not the second top team. Um, and there'll be no German Grand Prix and no Germans involved in, in F1. Capito made that point. Oh, the other wow. day. So without he coming back on board, um, you know, uh, the, just just having a, a German young guy ready to go. Yeah. I think Ralph also mentioned that, um, you know, Salvo is a good place for... Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, we're going to see if Chris Medley can get us some interviews. Still waiting on him. But the, the racing today was fantastic. By the way, this one was uh, – I, I want to see the television ratings because it was on ABC this time too. That's a good point. Right, right. And I never did see the USGP ratings. i got to go look those did up. Not, I like to not. keep track of those. Hey, I, I saw something I will dare call a uh, Michael Massey moment. What's that? During the, the safety car, you know, it seemed forever. It was Elf. Uh, lap 53 to lap 60 was mm -hmm. it the did combined, take a long time yeah it was the combined time of the safety car that's a lot of laps but then right at the end max comes up and he says you know why aren't we gone why aren't we going and the reason was they had not unlapped the last couple of cars there were two cars right that mm -hmm. were left didn't do unlap. the wave well you know to be honest i don't think there would have been any objection i think it would have been more efficient and we've got a couple more race laps had we taken what's usually one to two laps to unlap cars and just said hey on the opposite side of the track opposite end of the track unlap yourself over there still maintain yellow flag pace you know around the uh the sector the two sectors that actually were impacted by that so I can see, you know, I thought it was a little ironic that Max is the one asking about it. You know, maybe wishes Michael Max he was still sitting in the seat. You know, oh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> well, I see Chris has joined us. But before we go to Chris, I'm going to read a couple of social comments. There's some good ones. Um, Dixon Smith says, next year Alpine is going to be insane. O'Connor is going to raise Gasly 10 tenths all the way through. Yep. Um, Agreed. Wesman says, anybody notice, oh, this, did anybody notice that Gasly got a penalty for speeding in the pit lane but isn't going to be given points on his license? Ooh. Um, hmm. And Well, he got, no, he got brought up that to the happens. stewards. He brought it to the stewards last night. Was it for speeding I mean, in the pit lane? I think that's what, I think that's what I thought it was because he yeah. was going too slow at a restart. No, yeah. I don't, yeah, it was, no, who, yeah, it was, big, yeah, he went too slow. 
on the formation yeah, lap there you for go. the sprint qualifier. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, they that's don't call guys up for speeding in the pit lane. You don't go see the stewards. You're either over or oh, you're under. under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like There's speeding on the highway. So it was. You know? It was too slow, and he was he was reprimanded for it, which is the normal. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. Well, let's check in with. Let's check in with Chris Medlin at Sao Paulo. Hey, Chris, how's it going, buddy? Pretty well, thanks, guys. I don't know if you can hear me very well because yeah, we got uh, you. It's rammed here in the paddock, and the signal isn't great. But I'm stood outside Red Bull, which is fascinating. Huh. Uh, I'm watch- <laughs> I've been watching Christian Horner and Helmut Marco for about the last five or ten minutes, having a pretty public row with Max Verstappen's manager Raymond. Um, it 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 looks like it's starting to calm down now. In fact, quite funnily, uh, Helmut Marco just got himself an ice cream, so it's definitely <laughs> cooled down literally. But um, <laughs> yeah, there was Max was in there for a while. They'd been in driver rooms. Checo had been in there for some sort of meeting as well. But uh, Max joined them all probably about five minutes ago. And, and there were some pretty animated uh, discussions going on. Um, Christian especially gesturing wildly. So I do not think, sorry, I don't know if you guys have spoken about it yet, but well, I do not think um, it's happy families at Red Bull right now. Well, what you, yeah, my question to you is, Chris, what do you think of that? I've just been posed that question of both uh, Ferrari's decisions and Red Bull's <laughs> decisions to not, uh, or, or for the drivers not to let the other drivers through. Yeah, I think this one's going to really come back to bite, Max. I don't think it was the time to do it. Uh, it sounded like from the team radio we heard at the end of the race, which I'm not sure if it was played out to uh, everyone uh, listening, but uh, the team radio suggested that He's told yeah. the team in the past he wouldn't give up positions and they shouldn't ask him to do that. But, I mean, we're talking about sixth and seventh in, in this race. Yeah, yeah. It, You know, this wasn't right. a podium or a win. Max is the world champion. Uh, he'd got himself a penalty, which I'm sure he was annoyed about because that was that was close one. Uh, you know, that could have gone either way. But uh, mm. I think the fact that he really, you know, he didn't have a lot to gain by just following Alonso over the line when the team's asked him to do that. Uh, and... Don't forget some of the things that Checo's done for him in the past. His yeah. performance specifically in Abu Dhabi last year. Yep. Yep. Um, and the way he fought for, for Verstappen. Yeah. I mean, I think this that... would have been a tiny bit of payback. Yeah, I think Perez is going to have a long memory. Don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, big time. I mean, Checo's just gone back in now to the uh, Red Bull hospitality. Uh, he's not chatting to uh, Horner and Marco, actually. That's still going on with Max's uh, manager, and it's still pretty animated. Uh, but yeah, he does not look happy, Checo. And he's, yeah, he probably already knew his place in the team in some senses. Sure. But uh, sure. When, sure. when your teammate does that to you, that's just, that's no, not cool. Nose rubbing in. Yeah. Well, like you said, he's going to have a long memory. He, Max is going to need him. He's needed him several times. So, yeah, it's not, the team is going to need him. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Think of today. What, what's today shown? Mercedes can come back. Mercedes have got performance. Okay. Uh, they've been pushing development a bit more this year than the others, but next year could well be a, at least a Mercedes Red Bull fight, if not a three-team fight. And Max will need more help from his teammate in those situations. And today, needlessly, has kind of lit a bit of a bit of a fire that didn't need lighting. Well, it's simple. Just dock him yes. seven million on his pay, and that equals out your your, your trouble yeah, you were right. in before. <laughs> yeah, put him in the next. Uh, put it in the next contract. You know, you also saw, just in case you think this is exclusively Max's problem, um, yeah. Esteban Ocon <clears throat> being told, <laughs> do not get right. anywhere close to Fernando Alonso when they come by. Concentrate on Vettel ahead on the road. And Ocon was saying, just let me race. Just let me race. Yeah, that um, was during that you know, long. He was kind of making it clear he was not going to let no. Alonso go by. So I think there's some unhappy campers up and down the pit lane after this one. What about Leclerc and Sainz? 
Leclerc yeah. be- basically begging in the last few laps. Yeah. 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 Very, very true. Um, I, you mentioned uh, Conan and Alonso. I, I did actually manage to grab a word on my Zaft hour and uh, phone signal permitting, it's, it's trying to fire its way over to you guys right now. Uh, so hopefully soon on the show, we can uh, hear what Omar had to say about the way things panned out and, and the way Ocon handled things. In the end, I did feel that Ocon was being a little bit um, robust with his responses, but he actually called it and played it very well, didn't he? Yeah. He did make the mental immediately, and then he let Alonso through later in the lap. So it came together, uh, but it could have gone mm-hmm. so much worse, and, and they didn't need another incident between those two because you can bet your bottom dollar that Alonso was coming through whether Ocon let him or not. Yeah, and you've got to think, if you're Ocon, are you going to be leading this team next year or are you going to play second fiddle to the other Frenchman? Huh, yeah, Yeah. good point. Yeah, like you said, Chris, we're all saying here in the studio, Alonso's coming through. And (laughs) do we want uh, a pile of Alpine cars on the side of the road or do we... BWT pink everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Or do we want to have some team orders here? Uh, Andy P on on, uh, YouTube says... The more messy moment was not letting Sonoda get his lap back. He should have been allowed to overtake, but was never oh. allowed to. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, that was an absolute shambles. The, the race control message came up that lap cars can overtake, and it's cars 23 and 6, which was Albon and Latifi, and it didn't include Sonoda, who was in between the two of them. It was just an absolute yeah. shambles on that front. So Yeah, yeah they're not no, getting any very, better, very are they? No, no, and this that's, is that's shades of Suzuka where they didn't see Gasly pitting under the yellow. Ne- never happens when Tim Mayer's in charge. Just a point. <laughs> yeah. Tim Mayer was in charge this weekend. Oops. Yeah, he was. Sorry, Tim. Well, he was in charge of the stewards. Not he was not race control. He was in charge of the stewards, and Derek Warwick was the driver stewards. Del so, boy. I mean, they had a lot of lot of expertise in that. Yeah. Stewards room. Yeah. All right. Well, we've but got it wasn't that. Their call because. They can't, they can't make a call unless race control refers something. That's true. Yeah. yeah. All right, Chris, we've got your uh, your interview with Otmar, so let's hear that right now. Otmar, we spoke on the grid. The words you gave to your team, well, your drivers, must have uh, really been ringing in their ears because what a performance. Yeah, they, they uh, kept it clean first and foremost, uh, which meant they were able to finish. We knew we had a strong car from the performance that uh, Fernando showed yesterday. Esteban uh, had a damaged car, so we couldn't tell, but we knew the car was quick, and we just needed to get some clean laps in, uh, get him in free air, and then uh, we got a, a bit lucky with a with a safety car bunching everyone up. But you know, we, we had to be in that position, and we were. Before that safety car, where did you think you were going to end up? Because it looked like from the outside a perfectly executed race from you guys. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we we thought we could finish as high as seventh if uh, you know if. if all else went uh, as normal. Uh, it looks like now, looking back at it, I think we, we beat Sergio on, on pace. Yes, the safety car helped, and I think he was at the, uh, on the medium at the end. We are on the soft, but we had much better pace than him at the end. Are you surprised by how quick the car was this weekend? Because like you say, we didn't get to fully see it yesterday. I was more surprised on Saturday than I am today, but uh, we knew we had a quick car here. And just a word for Esteban as well, there's a moment there where team orders were kind of used and he seemed to execute it perfectly, getting Seb and then letting Fernando go. Yeah, I mean, Fernando was A, on on a new set of softs and and B, much younger than uh, Esteban, so it it made sense. They're on a different strategy, so uh, Fernando was always on a three-stop strategy. We told him uh, at the beginning, if uh, towards the end, uh, because of the different strategy, we had to swap places. That's what we were going to do, and it worked out just as we thought. 
And can you sleep comfortably now with uh, P4 just about secure, or are you still nervous ahead of the last round? I'm less nervous. <laughs> Good answer. Thanks. This is it 19 points? I think. Let's see if it's re I'm a refresh. Ooh, now you're asking. I'll admit that's the. I was trying to do the points gap between Mercedes and uh, Ferrari, which I believe is 17. Um, so I didn't get as far down as uh, McLaren and Alpine before I had to run here. But uh, hey, I got I the math. They were. I got the math right. It's 19. Yeah. There you go. So I mean, that's a big one to try and overturn in one go. Yeah, when you when you two teams that aren't at the front. Yeah. That's not impossible, but close at this point. Five mm. between Aston and Alpha, and one between Haas. And oh. Alpha Tori. I showed two. Uh, two, excuse me. Yeah, two. okay. Yeah. But still, I mean, wow. I mean, that that's that the scale is just about right there, isn't it, for Haas and Alpha Tori at two points. They got a lot that, that could easily come down to it. We definitely hope our Haas boys will cover that one. All right. Well, gentlemen, let's go ahead and squeeze a break in and uh we'll send Chris back out, see if he can get anything, and we'll continue our discussion after the break. All right, we're still live on the YouTube. Jonathan, run into the little boy's room. Uh, oh, somebody, who was it? Macau, Macau. Uh, here it is. Ray says the next race will have more action than Macau. I don't know about that, Ray. I hope you're right, and you may be right. Uh, I want Jonathan here for the Macau discussion because he's Mr. Macau. And then Ray says, I'm all in favor for Macau. Hey, Greeny. Uh, you're back. I thought you had to go to the restroom. But anyway, Ray on uh, YouTube says the next race will have more action than Macau. Can't wait. <laughs> Inconceivable. Uh, and then he says, I'm in favor for Macau to be the, the last race of the F1 season. They can't get around the Melco, well, so, sadly. Wreckage than Macau. We, we had one Formula One car perform. Uh, it was a Jordan. That was a Jordan. Yes, and you were there. there. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's where I first met Mr. O'Neill. Huh. He doesn't remember me, and I don't remember the him. Ice cream van. The ice cream van air conditioning was leaking down onto the circuit of the hairpin. That's right. And uh, Ralph, Ralph Furman spun. Yes, he did. Um, but, but but didn't you change his didn't you change his uh, wheel lock so he could get round? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we put a, um, a special rack in it. Um, to be change from to his Formula One rack. Yeah. So he could actually turn. A couple other comments. The Turn 4 podcast says poor form by Max for that refusal. Childish. I think that's kind of becoming the consensus, it feels like, right now. What? Verstappen childish? Yeah. Verstappen made a mistake here. I, You know, it's not a smart move. You've got to be gracious as a sportsman because it does bite you. I mean, and at this point, especially, what has he got oh, to yeah. lose? Yeah, he's already won I the mean, world title. Yeah, throw him a bone. Man. Yeah, exactly. He said uh, in the radio transmission, he said, I've already stated my reasons and I stand by them. I didn't hear what his reasons were. I'm Max Verstappen and I'm the champion. Drop mic. <laughs> Was that it? Or? No, I don't know. I don't no, know. I mean, what he, I don't here know. we go. Hi, this is Karun Chandok and you're listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, welcome back. Chris is still out there in Sao Paulo. He's muted right now, but hopefully he is getting uh, some interviews for us. Um, 
Jonathan, a question for you on YouTube. Is Jonathan going to Macau this year? I is not. It is still an F4 race, um, a Chinese F4 race. So, um, no. And they've also had a huge outbreak in Guangzhou of uh, COVID again, which ah, is just across wow. the way from Macau. So, no, not, not, on, not on my list this year. Oh, but uh, yeah, but it's not not because of that necessarily. It's just mostly the there's not the opportunity. So um, there's a lot of stories that. What else about the race? Because we have a bunch of other things that I want to touch on. In fact, before we do that, let me get a word in from our sponsor here. My producer is staring at me. It's uh, CrowdStrike presents Driven in sixty. Our digital world is more than just interconnected; it's interdependent, and because of that, security is a top concern for every organization. The Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team knows they're a potential target for a host of digital attacks, which is why they leverage the CrowdStrike Falcon platform to deploy end-to-end security solutions. CrowdStrike revolutionized cybersecurity by harnessing the speed and power of the cloud to identify and stop the most sophisticated cyber attacks. Our cloud-native Falcon platform protects and defends organizations against increasingly complex threats, so you can have the peace of mind to focus on your business momentum, not what's trying to stop it. That's protection that powers you. To learn more and to try CrowdStrike Falcon free today, visit CrowdStrike.com slash XM. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the, let's, let's look at the, the finishing order today. But any other, any other stories jump out at anyone right now about today's race? I mean, there was plenty going on all race long. I and mean, we had a break in there. And it was perfect timing because our pizza arrived. But... Uh, <laughs> we won't say what kind yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 depends on. But Papa Jones, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's see. Um, Could have had the decency to send one to me, but yeah, I know yeah, we yeah. always see, forget we need about a nationwide, there, you know, race day pizza sponsor. Mm. Uh, well, let's talk about Lance Stroll. He finished today tenth, but oh, we actually we already did, didn't we? We talked about how he had some struggles that we nobody appreciated. The penalties that went out. You know, we had Max with a five-second penalty over uh, the lap seven of an incident he had with Hamilton. First it started out, it was just noted, and then they came back and gave it a five-second penalty. Uh, Norris had five seconds with his uh, Leclerc encounter out of that. And both of those, I feel like there's enough argument material between the both of those to it because honestly i thought the max hamilton thing was a was a racing incident myself mm. uh chris he texted me and says i can give an update on that but i can't remember what i was asking oh about. we were uh yeah we we're asking if there were any stronger rumors about the uh, haas second seat we know that's to be announced uh, within this about week? a week's time yeah yeah and i see chris is still muted maybe he's getting an interview right now so We'll let him. What happened with the um, Alfa Romeo um, investigation they were going to do after the race? Has anyone heard? I have it not was, seen anything come Alfa through on that. What, what were they investigating? Well, I think it was a pit, pit lane incident. So I think they didn't. Oh, yeah. Out the way or the, uh, Schumacher. It was suggested that ah, the mechanics right. didn't pull the air gun hoses out of the way. Mm-hmm. Didn't hear any more about it. Yeah, so, sorry for the silence there. I'm. I am fighting my way between both Mercedes and Red Bull, trying to see, uh, well, there's storylines at both teams that we desperately want, aren't there? So trying to get to speak to people here. But uh, I'll start with the second topic. The Alfa Romeo one was that there was a team member potentially in a dangerous position when Schumacher made his pit stop. 
so that's still being looked at. I haven't seen anything come in in terms of a decision on that front, but I'll keep an eye out on the inbox for that. And then when it comes to Huss, uh, I, I'm thinking that Gunther's comments are, are pretty firm with probably Thursday that we'll get a decision um, or an announcement. A decision's clearly been made. Uh, and, you know, for, it doesn't take too much of two plus two-ing to go, um, if you were keeping Mick, you'd have told him, you'd have announced it. Right. Um, you'd have, yeah. you, you'd have, you wouldn't have left it looking like it's putting pressure on him unfairly. Um, so I think it's more a case of uh, there's going to be a change there, and Nick Hockenbos is going to come in. So, um, you know, that's not not yet confirmed, but it doesn't. And would that give Schumacher a chance at a, at a at a uh, Mercedes uh, reserve driver? Oh, you're spot on the money there, Johnny Green. That's uh, certainly what I've heard. Um, that that would be something that he's in talks of, over. So, um, yeah. Because I, I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> So um, yeah, that's the uh, that's the likely outcome. Which also, which also <laughs> then comes together in terms of Daniel Ricciardo potentially ending up as an option for Red Bull. Uh, they're going to have potentially a few reserve drivers next year. So, you know, Ricciardo could uh, end up as one of those options too, because as he said, he doesn't really want to be just tied down to going to all 24 races and sitting in the simulator 24-7 and not getting time to go and work on his own personal fitness, work on other outside interests, get a bit of a break from the sport to come back refreshed in 24 so I think, um, yeah, I think actually it's looking more like, you know, maybe you might see the Schumacher name heading to Mercedes again uh, and Ricardo more likely uh, of the two options to end up back at his old team Red Bull. Yeah, interesting. Uh, while, while we're on that subject, uh, shout out to Enzo Fittipaldi for getting yeah. Um, yeah. a call from Marco, uh, Helmut Marco, to get onto the Red Bull. I don't know if it's a, a, a poison chalice say, or not, but... Best of luck. Best of luck. <laughs> uh, you're now one of yeah. many Red Bulls. Uh, little little bulls, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. no, that's good. Think, Enzo's being noticed for what he's also achieving. So yeah, I think we I also mean, need season, to acknowledge the passing this week of Mauro Forgeri, see, who spent an incredible twenty-seven years as the overall technical director for Ferrari Racing, and that means the Formula One cars, the prototypes and endurance, GT action, you name it. I met the man about five years ago at the Amelia Island Concours where he was honored. Uh, just a wonderful guy to talk to, a brilliant memory. I mean, he remembers all kinds of stuff. He had so many great stories. Uh, I hope he somehow got them committed to, uh, to uh, some sort of um, archive before he passed. I mean, this guy took over Ferrari at age 26. Wow. When Enzo, the wow. man himself, said, he said, I, I, I can't do this job. I don't have enough experience. And Enzo said, you just go ahead and make your decisions and leave the rest up to me. And uh, that's the way it was for the next three decades. And he was he was a great man and a great racing figure. And hugely successful, like you're saying. Was, oh, yeah. I mean, Ferrari wouldn't oh, be yeah. Ferrari, would they? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I mean, well, I for all their faults, Ferrari seems to have this ability to pick young guys and uh, put him in positions of responsibility. I mean, Forgeri was, was one. Um, and then Luca de Matazemolo was a very young mm -hmm. man. When he was put in charge of the Formula One team, he wound up being the, the chairman of the company. So <laughs> they do okay sometimes. Well, I have, uh, Jonathan, you said that I, I was going to run out of superlatives for the race today. <laughs> well, um, if our KCR producer will bring up the uh, tweet that I found from... Formula One, 
it says it shows the lap charts and it says that period was period nuts and if you look at the crisscrossing of lines of all the lap charts it it looks like uh somebody like a a 10 year old crazy with a crayon because it is all over the board and i mean let's face it that was a great lap i mean great race it was fantastic at the beginning like i said it was slow but it was there was a ton going on so let's be excited for that and i think it uh the proof is in the pudding there yeah i think uh, that was the the general feeling up down the pit lane somebody said let's just have 24 races here and be done with it yeah yeah <laughs> hey chris Mellon, what's going on out there are you uh interviewing someone i see you're muted are you around i think he must have a microphone in somebody's face uh let's i'm see. waiting to exactly that actually i'm in the middle of a very tight scrum of tv crews before we speak to christian horner so try okay. not to ruin anyone else's show while i'm stood here uh uh, I, I tell you what, let's do, let's let's take this moment to talk about the crypto FTX debacle that happened because Mercedes, I think it was Thursday afternoon, Mercedes said, uh, we're not going to take the sticker off the car. We're going to let these guys try to figure things out. We're going to leave it on for the weekend. And then uh, we wake up on Friday morning and they said, we're going to pull the sticker off the car. Yeah, we ripped the Band-Aid <laughs> off. Because FTX, I mean... We talked about this in our pre-production call about crypto in general, that it's, uh, but FTX looks like the guy may have done something, some bad things, the CEO. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what it was, yeah. As soon as uh, somebody started talking about criminal activity, Mercedes said, we're out yeah. of here. Yeah. Well, and not just them, but you know, that a lot of other people. Well, and then the Haas, of course, with OpenSea, they announced their new sponsor, OpenSea, which is a an NFT um, platform where you can buy and sell NFTs, which have the same uh, backbone in blockchain as crypto, which means that it's not green because to mine a single coin of any kind takes gazillion watts or whatever. And it's the same thing going on there. And, and uh, Haas was getting a little bit of grief for that. I feel like, I don't know, that that one's, I guess that's, if you're really getting down to the end of it, that is not a good thing. Oh, yeah. But, I, mean, um, I follow a guy that does it using solar system, and he's got his his whole, yeah. you know, mining operation in uh, in the mountains where it's cooler, so all of this is done. And yeah, I've read that about, because uh, that's that's a big part of crypto, is the data centers with all these air Sorry to interrupt, chaps, yeah, but uh, I finally uh, got Christian Horner in front of me, and Christian... Sorry to be that guy, but I was watching through the window and it looks uh, pretty animated at times in there, the meetings you guys were having. Just what's been spoken about since the end of that race? I mean, what's been discussed is a bit behind closed doors. The drivers have discussed it. And you know, we're all very clear going into Abu Dhabi as a team to do our best that we can for uh, you know Checo to finish second in the championship. So uh, that's the goal. That's the objective. Uh, Max said that he, he wouldn't re respond to team orders or not to ask him that over team radio at the end of the race. Why is that? Well, it's something that we've discussed behind closed doors. So, as I say, going into Abu Dhabi, uh, it's it's very clear as the team will be doing our very best. But from your point of view, you must be disappointed because you've had an epic season. And here we are, one race in the end, and we're talking about a team orders route. Yeah, I think Ferrari have probably got a bigger one to deal with. <laughs> well, it's very true. And just, just finally, uh, you say going into that race, are you confident that your drivers will uh, respond the way you want them to in that final round? Yeah, I'm, I, absolutely. Thank you, Christian. Very well and diplomatically Andy, Britishly put. <laughs> yeah, but did you hear how yeah. quickly Christian Horner responded to that? I mean, clearly Max yeah. 
is in the doghouse. Uh, to me, it sounds like even with the, with uh, with Christian and Marco. Yeah. Would you agree, Chris? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the you know the discussions I saw going on, which is why they try and lead with it to say you know this was clear. It's they've massive glass fronted motorhome uh, units here. So yeah. you might say behind closed doors, A, the doors are open for starters, but B, uh, not behind uh, solid walls. So um, you can see yeah. they were very, very unhappy. Uh, and this was all gesticulating at Max's manager. Uh, there was no one from Perez's team involved in this uh, that I was watching. So uh, I think it's pretty clear that it's with Max that the beef is. Um, yeah. and, and as we said, you know, maybe it's entirely unnecessary. And perhaps, you know, you know, Chris is not willing to talk about it there, but maybe by the end of um, a journey across to Abu Dhabi and when uh, the dust settles a little, he'll explain more. But perhaps they were feeling that they'd discuss this with Max and would get a different outcome at this time of the year with the titles done. Who, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think uh, Max is going to come off particularly well, both within his own team and kind of in the wider court of public opinion, the way today's gone. Hmm. Boy, I tell you what, it, it, the plot thickens coming into this next race. The season finale with Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez tied on points. What are you going to do? <laughs> Ooh. And yeah. if you're not sure your drivers are going to listen, what are you going to do? Mm. I managed it in the it's pit lane. Uh, Whoops, that wheel didn't come all the way Oh, around. Les Kaiser, don't you say that. <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that Christian Horner let that argument play out where people could see it. Yeah. And even over here, and I'm surprised they didn't go into the back room or wait till we're on the plane or whatever. Yeah. Good point. I wonder if that was a, a bit of a ploy, actually, for yeah. Stappen's manager. Um, yeah. Because he stood there in the middle of the motorhome and he's kind of saying, go on, then if you want to have a go, you're going to have to do it here. Um, and well, it looked like Christian was willing to, but uh, there's been a little bit of tension around that team. Um, over the past few weeks, hasn't there? We, we spoke about the Sky boycott where some suggestions were that Verstappen and his team weren't happy that the narrative around both world championships have been about you know, potential wrongdoing. Uh, they haven't been fully positive stories. So if, you, if that is true, then you know, what Rebel did was probably right. to try and appease Verstappen in terms of that boycott. Uh, and uh, they certainly haven't appeased him today. Okay, well, coming up after this, we're going to talk about the influx of American sponsors into the sport, and we'll also see if Chris, what else Chris can drum up for us. But stick with us, and we'll be back after these messages. I love that take, Chris. By the way, Chris, we're still live on YouTube. Uh, we've Casey has a whole new digital board in the uh, producer's room that he is up uh, toying with so uh we're still live on youtube but i love that take that it, it, it was done on purpose in front of the glass That's <laughs> oh yeah you know well we've seen that where you know they go in and they purposely make sure the door is closed and dead bolted practically <laughs> you know, it's yeah folks standing up what's um who is max's manager i thought his dad was calling his shots mm, i don't know no, his his manager's name is raymond vermulen um so yeah his dad is heavy i've involved, heard that before but, uh, Raymond is his is his manager. Well, everybody okay. loves Ray. <laughs> Raymond the what? Uh, Raymond Vermeulen. Vermeulen. <laughs> oh, Vermeulen. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was. Uh, I, admit, I thought he was Italian. Raymond uh, the no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'll admit I had to. Oh, uh, yeah. I know his first name certainly, but his surname I wasn't certain on because I couldn't get it up on my phone at the time that I was introducing him. 
uh, he <laughs> was only known as Raymond when I said that they were in the motorhome. Uh, but uh, yeah, Raymond Vermeulen. Hey, Casey, I'm going to try to send you an email that's got a really cool graphic about American sponsors. What's that guy's name? Bajorn. Bajorn. Raymond. Bjorn, here he is. Vermeulen, a name from the from uh, somewhere, the city in Holland with this famous Chris Vermeulen. Casey, uh, one of the Somebody on YouTube commented, said, uh, oh, Ray said, love all the different camera shots from the studio. That's for you, Casey. And somebody asked, who is the guy behind the glass while ago? I saw that earlier, maybe in the pre-show. Yeah, that's a cardboard cutout of yeah, Casey. What, what is that guy in the blue shirt? Never says anything. Yeah, that's the wizard. <laughs> the wizard, yeah. Don't go behind the wall. Here we go. Well, they just don't get to hear what he says to us. Yeah. He's yelling at us, everyone. He's our mother. <laughs> It's a fourth window they've replaced. <laughs> Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, welcome back. There you go, Casey. Give yourself a good shot there. I like that. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to who? Gene Haas. Oh, oh that was Gene him Haas. coming back in. Yeah, it was 70th 70. birthday. Yeah. A child. A mere Se- child. 70 is the new... <laughs> What? Uh, 80. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right. It means the, you were born in the 60s. <laughs> the Speed City F1 post-race show on Sirius XM is brought to you by CrowdStrike. Stop today's most sophisticated cyber attacks at the office, the racetrack, and everywhere in between. Learn more at CrowdStrike.com slash XM. All right, Chris, I've got a, a couple things I want to talk about. Unless you're standing by with someone ready for an interview, I will go into it. No, have at it. I am running to the other end of the paddock because I've spent far too long standing outside Red Bull. And uh, there were other stories, weren't there, today? So I'll see who else is around at the, uh, at the far end. Mm. Well, Jonathan, this is what I want to talk about. It kind of really stems from what you originally talked about, wanted to talk about, all the sponsors pouring into F1. And we'll start with the first graphic, Casey. It's the one that shows... The number of, of U.S. partners in Formula One back in 2018 uh, as compared to now. In, 20, in 2018, we had 44 American partners slash sponsors, whatever you want to call them, in Formula One. And in 2022, we're up to 105. And that was as of October 20th. So I think that was right after Haas added OpenSea. So I think this may be up to date. I can't. I don't think there's any more than the last week or two here i need to get but, that but up. that's a that's i mean really if you i bet if you overlaid the the numbers we've seen out of espn's television coverage and sirius xm's um radio coverage i bet you this would overlay very similarly to the viewership because 44 to 105 that is a a massive increase and jonathan you were talking about how ferrari had been one of the teams that had taken advantage of that right yeah ferrari particularly um surprisingly not Haas. um mclaren also Second although that Casey. doesn't uh, surprise me as much because obviously um uh zach brown's uh, zach brown. company uh is a is a sponsorship um company yeah that's uh, what they so do that's um you know basically what what they've been striving to do for the last 20 years so no surprise to see them leading the way um but it is i think i'm just going to look for the uh yeah the, the factor i wanted to draw people's attention to was 161 deals between us sponsors and f1 teams in 2022 
Wow. Okay. 161 deals. Now, some of them can be big, like Duracell, let's say, and some of them can be tiny, like maybe hospitality or a, a brake brake pad yeah. manufacturer for all I know. But could be could be race to race too. Yes, and you've got obviously Red Bull's title sponsor is Oracle um, and Google now a, a big part of it. Um, you know, and I just think that the, the the blue chips. It's the one thing that is always lacked in America, and, and and why Formula One and Bob will back me up here because we've been through it, where America was. You know, it was a it was a dirty word because Formula One wasn't a world championship because it really wasn't in America. Now with three races next year, there's no doubting about that. Uh, but more importantly, the blue chips that that have have been around Formula One for a long time um, are suddenly starting. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if a Walmart, if a, a Target, if if some of the real household names of America suddenly start to sort of, you know, start to appear in Formula One because if that number alone for, you know, 161 deals, that's a lot of sponsorship deals. Mm. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I want to ask, and it's, um, go ahead. I was going to ask Dave O'Neill about this, about, I mean, Dave, you were with Haas at, at a pretty high level team manager. I mean, these sponsor deals um, from American companies, I mean, were you guys seeing much activity from American companies back in back in the day, 14, 15, 16? No, not really. Um, and why? Not quite sure. I think, you know, maybe to what Jonathan just spoke about was now there's three races um, stateside. Um, obviously, Montreal was was kind of the home race originally. Um, but, yeah, there was there was much interest in it um and as it started growing you know speaking to the guys guys and girls still there um you know it starts with the paddock club and people going and having a fantastic weekend there um and then the you know spreading it out from that point um and seeing how much i guess you can you can get involved in it from you know having a having a meal at the circuit to putting a sticker on the car um to being a, a title sponsor etc um and maybe you know, maybe the the sponsor that they had, the fake sponsor they had, maybe that <laughs> created a good bit of interest as well um, for for people to be able to see how much coverage you get on your car and and press. Mm -hmm. so, but yeah, I think it's good. You know, 160 is not is a lot, but also I think there's probably many more to come um, with the interest. Um, certainly with Vegas, I was there last week for a, for a meeting um, while they while they were doing the launch of the F1 race um, and the town's buzzing from it. Oh, you um, were there? I, yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. Did you get um, to see the, any of the donuts on track? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> saw a few of them. Um, I just It, it kind of reminds me of when the, the cars went up through Leicester Square in London and they had, to, um, yeah. they had to block everything off, you know, from the amount of people that are on the streets watching it. So mm -hmm. I guess if you're on level two rather than level one, um, you, you're going to see see and get a lot more exposure to to the circuit, but I mean it's pretty exciting pretty exciting to have that that race there. Um, uh, I, I think it'll only do good for the sponsors. Did you have any of your young uh, guys with wrenches? So in case uh, any of the guys hit the wall in their donuts, because apparently Russell tapped the wall and and Hamilton almost did too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what no, were the odds of that? Yeah, <laughs> nicely played. I'll tell you one thing I will add to that footnote uh, of why it's not really a surprise when you look back to 216, 217, why there wasn't 
Uh, Formula One has had literally a lobotomy of, of, of change at the top of uh, in the last sort of, I don't know, four years because all those sponsorship guys that were in Formula One teams, um, you know, in the last 10 years were probably British-based. I mean, let's face it. It's a Formula One sport is a British-based thing with British, <clears throat> mostly British mechanics, engineers, uh, and uh, astrophysicists as well. Um, but, you know, some, CFD, some, uh, most yeah. of the bof- boffins uh, were British as well. Obviously, you've got Alpine, you've got Ferrari, but... Um, you know, the large amount of sponsorship will have come from a British base. Not to say that Britain isn't international, but it's not, you know, America is a, a market that, you know, is hard to tap into. And that's why you see McLaren leading the way with um, United Order Sports. Um, but I think that will change. And I think that the fact that we've got Otmar and that we've got Doralton Capleton, we've got Haas, uh, you know, Zach. we've got this American influence now. Uh, Stroll, you could include Stroll into that as well. I mean, you know, uh, look at the Aston Martin. Um, you know, the, the, this... well, he's Canadian, but okay. Yes, but I mean, but but my point is, it's it's a <laughs> it's a business acumen, as it yes. were, that is very yeah. North American, um, and yeah. that goes for Otmar as well. Um, you know, I, I think that that we're going to see more of it. I would argue now that half the teams have an American influence, and we've seen it. And, and I would point seen. out, I would point out the. While the viewership and the appreciation of Formula One here in North America has grown exponentially, the financial side of the business has been well known everywhere for a long time. I mean, if you if you saw the companies who bought into Formula One as an entity, um, pension funds, um, venture capital and private equity firms, mm-hmm. you know, we know about BlackRock and people like that. Yeah. I think the Texas Teachers, Teachers Association own half of Formula One, don't they? Had a, had a big, <laughs> not a big chunk. They had a small chunk, but a lot of money in Formula One for a long time. So while we haven't appreciated the action on track, uh, the Kaching got a lot of people's attention many years ago, and they've been um, going to bank, as it were. Well, since. I also think the cost cap has made a big thing. Because if you are sure. Doralton Capital and you're looking for return on ROI, return on investment, mm-hmm. um, then you look at that cap and you go, okay, we're going to put out 150 million, 170 million per year. Um, but our return, if we get fifth in the championship, is X. If we get sixth in the championship, it's X. So it's a much easier way to say, oh, wait, I can, I can get my money back here in two years or in one year if I have two sixth-place finishes. Mm-hmm. It's much more understandable than it used to be. It used to be a dark art of, well, maybe if I put this on the car, I'll, I'll go good. It's funny you say that because I was sitting here thinking about the way there's so many more eyeballs on the sport and it's now, you know, it's no longer Bernie's world. There's a lot of transparency coming into yeah. the sport. Yeah. And I think it's mm-hmm. going to, you know, there, there's those detractors. Every now and then you see on Twitter, a hashtag, not a real sport, that kind of BS. <laughs> and, I, and I think that... Um, that that this light of more eyeballs is and accounting and yeah exactly visibility and, and all that I think that's going to change all that. Well, guys, we are literally out of time. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Chris Meadow, I see you're still on mute, but thanks, buddy. We appreciate you doing you what work. you can out there. Love your work, and uh, thanks for all those who tuned in. However, you tuned in, and we'll be back one final time for Formula One. But we'll continue our Sunday night Speed City shows every Sunday night. So we'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. Happy trails. Bye. Ciao.